Well, it's been a little while. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm uh, I'm humbled uh, just to be asked to preach as I've been walking through our journey, my journey, our journey, everybody's journey. Uh, but I know that you have been faithful in praying for my family, and I, I know that because... You know why I know that? Because I know you well enough. And uh, I appreciate that immensely. And uh, I, I really do. God is, He's good all the time, whether times seem good or not. He's still good. He can't help but be good. That's what He is. And... Uh, going to kind of talk a little bit about that. I talk about that a lot, don't I? I tend to get up here and try to give pep talks. And you're probably going to get another one. So, <laughs> But <clears throat> see if I can break it. Why? It's that question that so many times we all want to ask. We all want to ask God. And there's been a lot of encouragement for the 44 years now that I've been a believer that says... Well, I don't know. You want to ask God why? He's probably going to tell you. Just trust me. And that is the answer he gives most of the time. But as I've looked through the the word and I've seen a few examples of men that did ask God why. Out of desperation. God didn't give a condemning answer. And there's a lot of times that we may not even ask why this or why that, but sometime later, and sometimes it's years later, decades later, you're able to, he opens up your eyes to look back a little bit and he begins to unfold the why right in front of you and you look back and you begin to understand. I think he delights in that. Now, that doesn't make what we're going through right now any easier. But we do serve a God of hope. And I thank God for that. That we can have hope in Him. We can have hope and trust and faith that He really does know exactly what He's doing all the time. He really does. Now, there may have been times in your life, you thought, I don't know, man. Lord, do you, do you see what's going on? And he's, do, do you know? Do you know what you're doing? He's so patient. He's so loving. He just, 
lovingly looks and says, comes alongside you, puts his arm out and says, yes, son, I do. I knew that, but I just was tempted to ask you. You know, we've all been there, been at these points in life. Some of you are here right now. The definition of why, it's a question concerning the cause or reason of something done or achieved. And we know that, but just to give a definition, it's the cause or reason. Why did you do this? Well, because this and this and this and this. Oh, okay. Why did you do this where? Why did you do this when? Why did you do what? How did you do what you did? And why did you do it the way you did it? And all that, all the whys. Our minds can go a million places with that. And maybe sometimes they are. Maybe for some of you it's easier to go down those paths. Um, Some of us aren't smart enough to begin going down there. And sometimes I think that's a blessing. So, um, yeah, anyway. But... You know, why do we ask why? We want to know. I had to write this down and think of this. But you know that it's it's our nature. It comes out in toddlers. They ask why in a little different way. It comes in two words, usually not one. What is it? Come on, you know it. How come? And you say, well, because. Well, how come? You know, that's how they get going, you know. And you say, well, it's time for bed. Well, how come? Well, it's 8.30. Well, how come? How come it's 8.30? Well, because the, the big hand is there and the little hand is there. How, how come that's on the wall? How, how come? You know, they always say, how come? You know, it's time for bed. How come? They, they do that. <laughs> some of your parents are laughing because, yeah, I've been there. And some of your older siblings have been laughing because you've seen your younger ones go there. And, uh, well, think about that. Now, God made relationships between parents and children on purpose to give us an example. It's like, Lord, am I like that to you? Do I ask that? You can search your heart on that. We've had a lot happen this past year, haven't we? Still have some things going on this this year. Things that leave that question at least wandering in your mind if it doesn't come out your mouth. I, I remember it was 2006 and we had a little church body right about this same size in, in Cheyenne. And within a period of about three months, we had Brother Aiden Kaufman, Brother Ken Lowry, and a young boy, Jesse Hostetler, all 
were diagnosed with cancer. And as we know right here, a little church body, you start stepping back and shaking your head. And, and I was doing it. I was a brand new pastor at the time. And uh, I said, Lord, what, what's going on here? I mean... Whoa! Can can and there was there was another sister that was in the hospital. She almost died, and uh, you know it's kind of Lord. I can you know you know, and I think I even said it. Can can we slow things down a little bit here? This is a little overwhelming for us here, and uh, it was difficult. It was it was hard, and the ones that were expected to make it were the ones that died and the ones Ken Lowry still alive he was given 6 to 18 months and so you step back and say wow didn't expect that no he didn't and uh, but you know do we trust God do we have faith through the tears those were hard times. But here we are. And the question can kind of linger. And like I said, sometimes we get an answer. Sometimes the answer from God, many times it is. Just trust me. I do know what I'm doing. And sometimes He'll give an answer. I got one here over Christmas when I was out in Cheyenne visiting my family. I'll share with you a little bit later. Fifteen years. I had totally forgotten about an encounter with a former co-worker that I had. I'll share with you a little bit later. But but God does not... It, it told me God does not forget. We may forget things that we go through in life blessings that we give to other people we're not even thinking but God remembers and people remember and it does make a difference in eternity even though what you're going through right now may be exceedingly painful don't think that God's not using you for good So let's talk about a little bit. I, I, I got to thinking about this this question here. Why and and uh, I got to thinking about some of the reasons that God allows us to go through things, the deep dark valleys that we don't understand what's going on at the time, but He gives us a reason. Sometimes in, most times later, if we get one at all. So I want to go through about four of them. And then the last one. Yeah, hopefully we'll touch our hearts even more so. But there's... Sometimes we, we go through, and people go through difficult times, simply because they... Sowed this and now they're reaping this. There is a law of sowing and reaping. My father-in-law died of lung cancer. 
He smoked for 60 years. You say, how did he live that long? We ask ourselves the same question. But that's what he died from. This is what he did. This is what he died from. Okay? Alcohol. If you're going to be an alcoholic, you're likely going to kill yourself. You're going to kill your liver and other parts of your body. And so this is what you're going to sow. This is what you're going to reap. I remember when uh, years ago when we lived in Lakeview, I was teaching school down there. And uh, we went to a little four-square church at that time. And uh, there was a guy that they would come every now and then. And we'd play softball together. His name was Ralph. He was an alcoholic. Uh, he wasn't just a drunk. He was an alcoholic. And uh, every now and then he would sober up. He'd manage to get himself sobered up for a short time. And I'd, I'd watch, and he was only 39, 40 years old, something like that. And I'd watch him as he's going through his withdrawal, and he would, he would put his hand right here, and just his liver was bothering him. And that's what alcohol does; it destroys your liver. They, they call it cirrhosis of the liver. And I'd watch him, and I'd, he'd be just, uh, and I think, man, why don't you put that stuff down? You're killing yourself. And uh, but that's that's what it did. And he died. He wasn't that old when he died. But that's that's it. If you're going to commit crimes, if that's what you're going to sow, you're going to end up in jail. So there's sowing and reaping. If you're if you're going to live in promiscuity, you run the risk of getting of who knows what kinds of diseases that are out there. It may prevent you from having children. That kind of thing. There's a big price to pay for that. But there is that uh, that principle of sowing and reaping. It's that simple. And so, you know, when people say, well, why do these bad things happen to me? Well, what have you been sowing? That's a good question to ask yourself. Or for anybody to ask themselves. Um, I think I mentioned this before, but the second place that I taught school at, there was a few... There were some children there that I could look at their behavior, and these were grade school. And it wasn't that hard. You you saw how they were and what they were like, and you could say, this this, this child is, by the time he or she turns 18, it's going to be one of two places, either in the grave or in jail, unless they really change their way. And that's sad. But you could look at that. And I, I, I look back at the parents and what they were allowing them to get away with. I think, man, come on, man. What are you doing? And then I realized, it was, it was through seeing that that I began to realize that the, the, uh, the, the commandment, honor thy father and thy mother, God will bless you with a longer life. I used to think there was some super spiritual thing about that verse. And it's spiritual verse. It's God's word, so it's spiritual. But then I began to realize that really there's a lot of practicality behind it. If children will grow up respecting and honoring mom and dad and their authority, that's going to bleed over into other areas of life. And if you will respect authority as you live out your life, it's not that difficult. You're going to keep yourself out of trouble. You keep yourself out of trouble you got a better chance of living a long, longer life. If you insist on living a life 
where you are in trouble all the time and you, you, that's, what you, that's what you want, you run the risk of living a shorter life. And that's kind of a hard reality, but you know, I, my eyes got opened up to that. It was pretty simple, pretty basic. But there is that law of sowing and reaping. But that's not why a lot of people go through things that they go through. A lot of believers, and I'm talking in particular, trials and tribulations. Sometimes God allows specific, maybe difficult circumstances to come across our lives just because He's guiding and directing and He's using these circumstances to guide and direct someone. I know. I've lost jobs along the way that I, in all sincerity, felt like I got the short end of the stick. Yes, and the Lord would say, yeah, you did, son. Do you trust me? Do you love me? Yes. Keep walking. Trust me. I know where I want to take you. You just... You just keep walking. Okay, okay. I think of Abraham. Genesis 12. Let's, let's go ahead and read that. Go to Genesis 12. We're going to get to a place where we're going to go through a fair bit of Scripture here. Genesis chapter 12. In verse 1, I'll read the first four verses. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee up, make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed from Haran. Now skip down to verse 10. As they journeyed along, look what happened here. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous. In the land. So here, God says, pack up and start going. How many, buddy, how many people here would like to hear God come knock on your door and say, start packing. Get where we're going. I'll show you when you get there. Yeah, thank you. There's an honest brother right there. No, I don't want to hear the Lord say that to me. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> he did that with Abraham. When he was 75, he had aches and pain. Now, I, granted, okay, this was a long time ago, and he lived to be longer, and maybe 75 back then was like, 45 or 50 now, but you still, you, those of you that are in that age, you've got aches and pains. You know what that's like. 75 years old, pack up and start moving. So he did. 
and he gets going somewhere, and the place he goes to, guess what's going on? There's a famine. Now, I, I'm sorry, but I can't help but wonder if Abram in his mind was thinking, why did the Lord bring us here? I would have asked that question. I, I, you know, I would have. But, he had faith. He got up and, and he moved. And he was okay. And every promise that God gave him came true. Every promise that God gave him came true. An example. God was directing his path. Another example in Acts there. Uh, it's Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 16 where Paul gives a little, er, There's well Luke wrote Acts, a little description of their path as they were moving on. I think it was, might have been their second uh, missionary journey. And now it talks about how we, we wanted to go over here, but the Spirit didn't let us go over that way. He went over here instead. And we started going over here and we ministered over here. And then we wanted to go over here to this town over here, but the Lord forbid us from going over there and guided us over here. But it's a little, it's a fascinating little few verses there that clear, gives clear indication that these men were in complete subjection to the leading of the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God says here, they went there. And they wanted to go over here, but the Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go over there. Okay, where do you want us to go? Over here. Okay, fine. They were in complete subjections. Beautiful little passage. Good for us to learn from. But God was leading their path. Now, it wasn't necessarily that I know of using difficult circumstances to guide them. They were just listening to the Holy Spirit. But, man, I think of my own journeys along the way and things we had to give, things the Lord asked us to give up. Man, I gave up a nice job I, in, in Cheyenne. Would have been, had a nice retirement there. And the Lord said, well, it's time to get up and move. Okay, we did. You guys got stuck with us for a while. And, and, uh, and I lost my job down in Eugene. All right, well, we'll hang around a little bit and we'll paint sheds for a while. Did that till my knees couldn't take it anymore on the concrete there. And uh, okay, we'll sell sheds for a while. All right, we'll sell sheds. Then we'll, we'll we'll step out of that. We'll just look at the orders of the sheds for a while, and then sales just plummeted. And well, Mike, uh, you're done. Okay, it's not easy sometimes. That's okay. You know what has not happened to me or us? No one has taken Jesus away from me. Nobody can. That's what's important. That's what's going to last forever. But I do believe I can look back and see God's hand leading along the way. And it wasn't easy, and, and we, we'd get to where he wanted us to be, and 
I'd get befuddled. I thought, man, Lord, you told me to take this job. And we took it, went to Warm Springs and took a job with the post office. Left a really good job in San Diego. And and then I get fired. And I thought, Lord, what? I, I don't understand. That's okay. You don't have to understand. I'm still with you. You just hang on to me. I'm still with you. It's all right. No one's taken me away from you. You're fine. And I'm sitting here saying, how come, how come, how come, how come? God is so patient. I I just, oh, he amazes me. But he does. He uses sometimes those circumstances, life's circumstances, life's valleys, just to get you where he wants you to be. It may not be easy. It may not be fun. That's okay. <clears throat> Sometimes, in that leading, most times, all the time, he's got people or at least someone he wants you to meet. He may take you to a certain place because he's got someone there he may want you to minister to. Or he's got someone there who he's going to use to minister to you. I think I shared with you one time my mom, when well, I was about 10 or 11, she'd, uh, they'd found a lump on her breast. They took her in the hospital and uh, took a sample of it, took a biopsy. And, and back then, 1970, 71, you know, everybody shared a hospital room. And it was pretty open, you know, you didn't have much privacy there. And, uh, turned out it was benign, it wasn't anything big deal, but they wanted to make sure and check it out. And, uh, there was another lady right there in the room with her there who was talking to a friend of hers and they were kind of bad mouthing this other person that she knew. And my mom, I loved my, she, she loved Jesus, but she had a way sometimes of Opening up her mouth and just letting it out, you know. And saying, oh, Mom, come on, relax a little bit, you know. And uh, she she spoke up over here and, and listening to this conversation. She said, "Sounds like sounds like that lady needs a good dose of Jesus." And uh, <clears throat> it was about a year later, the lady that was in the hospital along with my mom saw my mom in the hot in the grocery store. She came up to my mom. She said, I want to thank you for saying that. I needed that. That was for her. And so back it up a little bit more. So, Lord, you use something physical to go wrong with my mom so that you could get her right where you wanted her to be so she could minister to this lady over here who got right with God. And what can we say? Step back and say, Lord... You're beautiful. You do all things well. He does all things well. I'll never forget that. I remember, oh, this was right about 2006 as well. Uh, the Lowry's were, they were living in Loving, but they were coming to our, our church in Cheyenne at the time. And Lisa Lowry's mom, Marquita, 
was having heart surgery in uh, in Loveland, Colorado there, about an hour south of Cheyenne. So we, there was a lot of traveling back and forth. And, and uh, Lisa's mom was uh, just a joyful, happy lady. And she loved Jesus. And it was, it was beautiful. But she was having a, a, a heart surgery, like a valve or something like that put in. And her, I remember her, I didn't hear her say this. I got a secondhand information, but her perspective on this whole thing, she was probably in her middle eighties. And, uh, she said, uh, maybe early eighties. And she said, you know, this is a great deal for me because I'm either going to come out of this feeling a whole lot better and feeling well, or I'm not going to come out of it, and I'm going to see Jesus when it's all done. That, that was what she said. What a... Wow. Beautiful. And so, we were there. My wife and I were there with Ken and Lisa, and Lisa's dad, uh, Keith, was his name. We were in the, the little waiting room there. While... Marquita's having her surgery. And come to find out that they opened her up, got to working on her heart, and her heart was in a lot worse condition than what they thought. And you know when they when when surgeons work on someone's heart, they they actually stop the heart, reroute the blood through that machine that they have that to keep blood flowing through the body, then they can work on the heart without it beating all the time. Incredible what they can do. And uh well, they did the work, and they tried to get her heart going, and it wouldn't respond. And so the doctor and his assistant would come in and say, this is what's going on. We're, st- we're, we're still trying. And they tried for a couple hours. And then finally they came back in the waiting room, and they looked over at Keith, the Marquita's husband, and says, we lost her. And, uh, and those doc, that doctor and his assistant, you could just see the pain in their expressions as they're having to tell this. They, they, they did. It's, it's the last thing a doctor wants to tell a spouse. And I'm sitting here and I'm watching this and seeing, and Ken, Ken Lowry over here, he's what, he, he speaks up and he looks to the doctor and his assistant. He says, can I pray for you? And I'm just sitting almost kind of shaking my head. This is a little backwards. Usually it's the doctor and he's praying for the people that just lost. This time it's it's the relatives, they're praying for the doctor to be able to work through this. And I just thought, wow, this is, it was a beautiful testimony. It was hard. She died. But God came down in that little bit of room and ministered to that doctor that was trying to save her life. Never forget that. Hard circumstance, yeah. Oh. But God used it and gave a why. You could look and, and say, God said, this is a part of the why for this. Okay, it's all about me. 
when we were out in Cheyenne over Christmas. Well, the first thing I noticed was my wife had asked me, he said, are you sure, Wyoming? I mean, it's cold. I said, no, I think I'm, I'm okay, you know. We'll be all right. Well, we get there, and and this is a little rabbit trail, but it's 12 degrees, and it's about 30 mile an hour wind, like it always is in the wintertime there. And it took me from the car to the front door of the house we were staying in to realize, you know, maybe I'm not so up for this here. I don't know. Maybe I'd like the climate here in the valley a little better than I thought I did, you know. (laughs) <laughs> it was cold and windy. But my son Jeff told me a little story. And it happened to him, I think maybe about a month before, sometime in December, this last December or November. He said, Dad, do you remember a guy named Archie Martinez? I said, oh yeah, I worked with Archie at, at the utility there. Shine Light was the name of the company that I worked for there. And, uh, yeah, we had a lot of good talks. And uh, I really don't, I have to confess, I really don't know if he really was, was saved, but he liked to talk about God. And, and he was Catholic. And, uh, but just a neat, neat guy. He's probably 15 years older than I am, and he had retired. And uh, we had a something we were doing as a church there where... On Sunday afternoons, we would, I think maybe once a month or twice a month, people amongst our youth group and, and anybody for that matter would go find somebody that would like for our youth and some of our parents to come and sing for them on a Sunday afternoon after our fellowship meal. <clears throat> and I thought, okay, and we would do that. We would find people to go sing to. We'd go up to their front door and, and they'd open the door. If, you know, if the weather was nice, nice enough, and we'd sing to them. And so, uh, I thought of Archie. I said, Archie, here's what we're doing. Could we come to your house in a couple Sundays on an afternoon and, and bring our youth and, and sing some hymns for you? And he, I think he, he said, yeah, that'd be great. And, uh, so what I remember, <clears throat> Because we got there, and he and his wife, and I remember Archie just crying as we're singing to him. Well, what happened was, I I forgot one part of this. Forgive me. Let me me back up a little bit. Jeff ran into Archie at uh, one of the car washes that Jeff uh, is kind of a manager over. And... They got to talking, and Archie had told him. He said, well, I used to work at Shine Light. And he said, my Jeff said, oh, really? He said, uh, "What? when? And it was. he told him when. So it was right the time frame that he knew I was working there. I said, did you know Mike Molman? He said, oh, yeah. I remember Mike. And uh, then he started telling me this story about how we came over and sang to him and his wife. But then he said this. He said, you know, they came and they sang for us. And he said, my wife is dying. 
And they prayed for my wife. But I don't even remember praying for her. I remember singing and watching Archie cry. I don't even remember. He said, my wife's still alive. Whoa. You see, you don't know. We walk by faith. And it's a good question to ask. Why does God heal some and not others? I don't. But He's got a purpose. We walk by faith. I just oh man, I started crying when Jeff, my son, told me that. I thought, oh man, I, said, I don't even remember praying for him. He did. And he said she's older now. She was getting dementia, but she got well. And he remembered that. So, God used a difficulty in Archie in his wife's life. And he just brought a bunch of old Anabaptist weird looking youth that were dressed, they wear dresses and head covering and we, you know, here we are and uses us to touch their lives in a very real way. <clears throat> Beautiful. So God can use difficulties and hard times that make us want to ask why to guide our path, to lead us to people. But sometimes He also does just, He just simply tests us to see will we remain faithful in the midst of the fire. Those are some of the hardest, hardest tests. To show us what kind of soil do we have in here, in our heart. Is it rocky, stony, shallow, full of weeds that choke the word, that choke the fruit that may come out? Or is it free, where his word can get planted and grow? To show us what kind of soil do we have in there. To see, do we have the kind of faith that will endure to the end. Those that endure to the end are the ones that will be saved. Implying that those that don't, won't. That's a scary thought. I've seen people, I'm sure you have too, Get excited about Jesus for a while, for a short time. And you, you think they're going to grow. But then the heat gets turned up. They get took out, taken out into the wilderness. God seems to do that. He did it with the Lord Jesus. He did it with the people of Israel. A glorious salvation from Egypt. A glorious baptism. Going through the Red Sea. Where? To go where? To the wilderness. They didn't do so great out there. 
Turn to Exodus 14. Exodus 14. They're coming out of Egypt. The children of Israel. Moses is leading them out of Egypt. Read the first four verses. We're going to kind of glide through this chapter, skipping around a little bit. And the Lord spake unto... I'm sorry, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speaking to the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Piahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, over against... Baal before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Verse 10. Skip down to verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there are no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us? To carry us forth out of Egypt. What's a different way to say, wherefore hast thou dealt? Why did you do this to us, Moses? Why? Is not this the word, uh, the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. Show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Wow. In verse 30 and 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the Lord, the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And we all know that didn't last very long. They got out in the wilderness some more. And they got to complaining and whining again. I don't like life. I don't like this life, God, that you're... Giving me. That's kind of the crux of the prosperity gospel. You don't like life? There must be something wrong with you. You don't have faith. Because if you had faith, life would be a cakewalk. That's not here. I've read this. Some of the others have too. It's not here. You're not going to find it. You find examples like this. A great salvation. And then testing. 
And we can all say, I, I don't like that method that God uses. Well, I may not like it either. But I'm not God, and neither are you. So who are we to argue with Him? We're going to answer to Him. He's not going to answer to us. We need to keep that perspective and keep that healthy fear and reverence for Him. And a faith and trust. Yeah, it's not fun sometimes. But it's what it is. Moses, the first, in Exodus 5, we won't, we won't read it there, but you know, when he first went, God, God had to wrestle with Moses just to get him to go. Moses argued and fussed and stewed and, well, I can't talk and I'm weak and I'm tired and I can't, I can't do it. I'll send Aaron with you. He'll be, he's, he's got a eloquent tongue. Okay, fine. Finally took all the excuses away from him. He finally went and he went. He did what the Lord told him to do. Went before Pharaoh. Pharaoh's first response was, who is the Lord? That I should obey him. I don't know the Lord. He mocked him. And Moses went back and, and he, he asked God, Why did you send me to, out here to do this? He asked the question. It's in there. Read it for yourself. Circumstances got tough. And God's patient. Man, is he patient. Uh, go ahead, turn, let's, let's go over to Mark chapter 6. Got a, a interesting little passage here to read. Mark chapter 6. I'm going to start at verse 31. Yeah, I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. I'm going to read a little bit quick because it's a number of verses, but it's a good story here. Okay, Mark chapter 6, earlier in the chapter, Jesus sent him out two by two, preaching. They get back. It gives little the account of, of the death of John the Baptist there. And then Jesus, verse 31, he said unto them, his disciples basically, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran a foot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and began to teach them many things." And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, five and two fishes. Five loaves of bread and two fish. <clears throat> and he commanded them to make them all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in the ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when they had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them unto the disciples to set before them. 
and the two fishes divided he among them all. Must have been little bitty bites of fish. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida. While he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when he had evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately... He talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. I think I'll just stop right there. Well, no, no, let's go ahead and finish up. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. For they considered not the miracles of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Genesaret, and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him and ran through the whole region round about them. <coughs> Can I get a glass of water? Pretty please. And with us, whoever he, uh, <coughs> and ran through the whole uh, region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where uh, they heard he was. And with us, whoever he entered into the villages or cities or countries, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that he might touch, if it were but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, remember, verse 31, the first verse we read here, Jesus said, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Yeah, you're laughing because it's like, does it look like they got any rest? They've got nothing. <clears throat> Have you ever in your soul just sensed, I could just use a break, Lord, is, can I just have a little break? Or maybe you've determined to set some time aside just, just to get alone with God for a while. <clears throat> Maybe, can I just do this? I mean, we should be every day, but but even beyond that, maybe once a week or something. I just need some time with the Lord. I'm getting pushed to the limit here. Life and family and church and, and everything and, and work and, you know, I, I need a break. And so you set your time aside and every time it gets interrupted, this happens and that happens and that over there. And... uh those of you with big families, all of a sudden, boom, here comes, here come the coals, here comes COVID, here comes whatever it is, and everybody's sick in the house, and you're shot. You know, don't you? I remember waking up one morning when we lived in Wyoming. I was getting ready for work, and, and uh, 
Came into the bedroom. My wife's in the master bathroom. They're throwing up. So I'm all right. Help her get situated. Get a get a pan. You know. Get her back in bed. I get out, and there's Sam. He's throwing up. I'm, okay. Well, fine. Let's take care of him, and get him situated. Get him back in bed. I get him, to, and then here comes Spencer. He was throwing up. Three of them, all within a half an hour. And I was an hour late to work. I had to get Betsy up. She was only 10 or 11 at the time. I said, honey, I need your help. you got to take care of Mom and Spencer and Sam. Okay, she did great, but welcome to life, you know. You young parents, you young marrieds, you've been warned. I've warned you this is going to happen to you. I guarantee it. It's life. But that's what it is. And so... Here they are. Let's go aside and rest for a while. Now you say, why did all this happen? It's one of those deals where you say, I don't know. I don't know why. Hmm. Let us rest. Did they get any? No. That's just that's just how it is sometimes. And God calls you, trust me, take my hand. Lord, I'm tired. I know you're tired. Let me tell you something. He can identify with that. When Jesus subjected himself to becoming a man, he subjected himself to being like a man. He experienced pain. He experienced tiredness. When he was asleep in the boat that one time. You say, he's God. Surely he was asleep, but he knew everything. Yes. But he had subjected himself to being a human being. I think he was just plain tired. He was physically tired and needed sleep. Because he, otherwise, would he be able to relate to us? But he can relate to us. Because he came here to be a man. And became a man. Job was another example. God even bragged about Job to the devil. Have you considered my servant Job? And he gave him the limits of how much he could touch him. And Job, after his, his friends came and they sat for seven days and nobody said anything. Some of his first responses were, why was I even born? And let me tell you, go through what he went through. Man, I tell you, I would have, I'm sure I would have been asking the same thing. What is going on? Your family's taken away, your business, your livelihood. You're left sitting down with these sores all over your whole body. And you've got... Three real humdingers for friends and a haggy, naggy wife you get left with. You blame him for asking why. I don't. Who here would go through what Job went through and live through it? And yet he did endure and the Lord did answer. He rebuked him severely on it. His pride got exposed. 
But God still blessed him on the other end. But talk about a test. Now one more. One more person in Scripture that asked why. You know, it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And when Jesus was baptized, came up out of the water, the Spirit of God came down like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then, when he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and they met with Moses and Elijah, and the cloud came over, and they heard the voice, This is my beloved Son, hear ye Him, listen to Him. But when Jesus hung on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He got no answer. There's no record of a voice from heaven saying, It's okay, hang in there. Nothing in his deepest pain bearing our sin in agony. And he's asking God why. He had every right to. He knew. But what would you do? What would I do? And yet he got nothing. He experienced a loneliness that no man or woman has ever come close to. You could have stuck him a hundred trillion light years away in the universe. Nobody. All his disciples that he taught and walked with and lifted up and performed all those miracles in front of, they all forsook him. We would have too if we'd have been them. He did that for us. He didn't get an answer. But the scripture does say that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He still knew what his death was going and resurrection was going to accomplish. He knew what his death would it would pay. He knew that his father, scripture says that he looked and was satisfied. <clears throat> and I'm thinking he was sat, taking satisfaction in watching his son die on the cross. But he was satisfied with the debt that was paid for all humanity. For all of our debt that we owe him, it was paid. 
And he was satisfied and could declare, The slate is clean. My son has paid the debt. Part of that was all the anguish that he went through. He calls us to walk with him down the same path. His call to each and every one of us is, follow me. It's real simple. We talked about the simplicity of the gospel and the walk. The call is real simple. Follow me. Simple. Profound. 100% against our own will of our flesh and self. But that's the call. Even through the, the difficult times, the wilderness seasons where the where it's so dry and it hurts. And you're watching loved ones struggle, whether physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. That's hard. That's hard. But what's the option? You know, I I look at much of our journey as... You know, I start off, when I got born again, I was hanging out of the world. God began to open up my eyes and said, No, I want you to hang on to me. And as I've thought and pondered... It's a lot like this. I want to hang on to Jesus, but man, I have a hard time letting go of things over here too. And a part of the journey is freeing up those hands a little bit. Let go. Hang on a little tighter. Let go over here. Drop that hand. Just drop it. It's hard, Lord. I, my flesh and my pride likes these things. It's not easy. I know, I know. But I'm the only one that's going to last. This is going to wither away and die. And you're going to let go of it completely one day. Let that hand go. Okay. But it didn't stop right here, see. He says, now, I want you to start lifting this hand up here. You were hanging on with both hands over here. And it's been a journey. It's been a walk. And it hasn't been easy, I know. And you've been through wildernesses. And you've wanted to ask me why, and I've told you sometimes why, and sometimes I've I've said no. You don't need to know why. You just need to hang on to me and get both hands over here. And all he wants us to do is to hang on to him with both hands. Both hands. Not one each like this over here. That's That's the whole purpose of our whole journey, of our walk, is... Christ in us, the hope of glory. <clears throat> you know, people ask, if there's a good God out there, why do bad things happen? I heard a man named John Lennox. Anybody ever heard of John Lennox? Yeah, I, I appreciate him. He is brilliant, brilliant mind. 
very good at apologetics. He likes to debate with Richard Dawkins. I enjoy watching him because he is a wise man. John Lennox, if you get a chance. But um, what I heard him say one time is profound. If there's a good God, why did bad things happen? You mean like, why did Jesus die on the cross? Is that what you mean? That's a bad thing happening to the best that ever walked the face of the earth. What's God doing on the cross? If you talk about bad things happening to good, what's God doing on the cross? He did that for us. It was painful for Him. It won't be easy for us. There'll be times where we we walk through that, uh, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of tears shed. Some of you already been doing that. But his call still is, let go and hang on to me. Oh, man. Each strand of sorrow has a place written within this uh, tapestry of grace. The song goes, the ultimate why, it's really for His honor, glory, His kingdom. That's what it's all about. Anything that He leads us through, any wilderness that He takes us through, where we get to the point of, what's going on? I want to ask why. If you really want to know the ultimate answer, it's all for His honor and glory and majesty. Is really what it boils down. If you want to get down to the root of the matter, if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ... He will take us on a path very that will help us identify what it was like for him when he walked on this earth. You'll go through things and you'll be able to look and say, Oh, I, I, that's what it was like. I, I, I see a little bit now. It may not be fun what you go through to be, have your eyes opened up. But do you want to remain blind? Or do you want to be able to see more clearly? Have the eyes of your understanding opened up more clearly? We've got to go through those wildernesses. We've got to go through those hard times. It's not easy. It's not fun a lot of times. But what's the other option? Friends, there's not one. Stay true. Stay faithful. We're here for each other. Let's help each other. Encourage one another. Sometimes it's not a, a word of wisdom. Sometimes it's just walking up to a brother or sister and just say, can I just cry with you? I remember when we talked about Jesse Hostetler, when he was, when he was terminal and he was dying in the last couple months there. I remember going to talk to Dave, his dad, Dave Hostetler, his dad, and I'd just look at him. I didn't know what to say. I said, Dave, I don't, I don't have anything to say to you. I just, but all I can do is just give you a hug and cry with you. He said, that's all I need. Okay, I can do that. Sometimes that's all people need. It touches their life a lot more than you realize. Just to be there for them. That doesn't mean to say that if God gives you something to say to someone, you need to speak it. But sometimes it's just 
Weep with them that weep. Laugh with them that laugh. But don't feel bad if you, you're at that place and say, man, I just, what is going on? Why, Lord, why? He may not give you the answer that you like, but he'll give you a loving, patient answer because that's what he is. So keep marching on. Keep going forward. He's there for you all the time, every day. Thank you.